wants to come forward. We're going to have a baptismal. I, uh, if you guys, how many's watched Lion King? Anybody ever seen Lion King? I'm sure we all have. You know how they take Lion King and they hoist this baby cub up and everybody bows down? That's the way I do baby dedication. You'll see that in just a minute when we do a baby dedication. But I actually did that to this one right here. <laughs> About how many years ago was that? How old are you? 13? About 13 years ago. So I told her today, I can still do this. I can still hoist you up and everybody starts shouting. So uh, she didn't think that was a good idea. Let's listen to her testimony. My name is Kyla Billick. I am 13 years old. Pastor Brian and Miss Carmen dedicated me at this church. So I have been going to Church on the Rock my entire life. Until probably over a year ago, I would go to church just to be there. I would go there and act like a strong Christian when I really wasn't. My dad would always ask me after church what I learned, and I would almost always have the same answer, I don't remember. When I wasn't at church, I wouldn't be the same person my church friends saw on Sundays, or now Wednesdays. Most of the time, if I get scared or something bad happens, my first instinct is to panic. God was never the first or second thing on my to-do list. But around last summer, I heard a sermon about something called lukewarm Christians. I took the words home with me, and I thought about it for a few weeks. After about a month, I realized that the sermon spoke to me so much because I was one. I lived in my own mind, scared to talk to God. But that night, I prayed, and I let everything out that I'd kept bottled up in my mind. Since then, I have been a stronger Christian at heart. I still struggle with my relationships with God, but I'm very thankful for the friends and family who helped me along the way. I'm getting baptized today because I am ready to take the next step on my walk with Christ. Amen. Kyla, upon your profession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. All right, give it up. Give it up for Kyla. All right. Amen. If we have uh, Kendall and Janae here, if you guys want to come up, we can do this down here, I think. Kendall and Janae, you guys come up. Here's another, uh, if you guys don't know, Carmen and I founded this church 21 years ago, and we actually resigned about four weeks ago. So uh, the church is getting ready to go into its next spot. So uh, um with that, some people said, hey, you got to dedicate our baby. You got to <laughs> baptize us before you go. But this family's been with us from day one. And uh, is Catherine and Gary here? You guys come on up. And is Sylvia and Ron here? Sylvia and Ron, why don't you guys come up? Grandparents play such a significant role in babies. But hey, we've got little Jacob, Dallas. And here's how I do it. I know I could have done that. I know I could have done that. But we... Oh, oh, pull his shirt down for pictures. Oh, easy now. There we go. 
Another thing I always like to do with kids is I always love football, and I was like, man, you can hold these kids just like a football. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This kid's never going to let me touch him again. <laughs> Amen. Janae and Kendall, it's so good to see you guys today. Grandparents, it's so good to see you guys again today. And we do take little Jacob Dallas, and we want to give him back to the Lord today. But I thought of this scripture. Hey, look at that. He cried when Carmen took Everybody witnessed that? <laughs> we took note of that. Hey, guys, I was thinking of this scripture. It says, I remember your genuine faith. If we would be thinking about it with little Jacob here in a few years. I remember your, your genuine faith. For you first shared that first with your grandmother. They had a genuine faith in grandmothers and grandfathers. And then it went to mom and dads. And then I know that this same faith is now in you. And so Kendall and Janae, a charge to the parents is, did you promise to raise this little Jacob up in the fear and admonition of the Lord? Do you promise to pray for and with your child each day? Do you promise to raise your child in a home with an atmosphere that glorifies God? Even grandparents, kids can feel that atmosphere. They can feel that atmosphere of peace. Even if there's squabbles or stuff going on in our lives, kids sense that in a home. And we always want our homes to be a place that they feel the presence of God. Uh, parents, do you promise to do your best to instill in them the values and teaching that will lead them to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And do you promise to disciple your child so that they will grow in maturity and fully be devoted to being a follower of Jesus Christ? If you do, say, we do. We do. Amen. To Church on the Rock, you know it's going to take community to support this couple as they raise their children here at Church on the Rock. And you guys stand here representing their friends and their families physical and a spiritual family. So having heard their intentions, do you pledge to support these guys here? If you do, here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you as a body of believers gathered here today, will you invest yourself in giving yourself to this family as brothers and sisters in Christ? Will you support them? Will you love them? Will you love these parents both spiritually and physically as they're pursuing God. In addition to them, will you give them that godly example before them and their children? And will you be a steady friend and a supporter and someone that's always aware and sensitive when they walk in that they know that you are their friends and if they need anything, you will be there. If you say yes to that, will you stand up and say, we do? Amen. That always gets me. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we dedicate Jacob Dallas to you. Father, we pray that the Holy Spirit would seal him into the day that he decides to receive Christ himself and be water baptized. Father, I pray this boy would be raised in a godly home, that he feels the presence of God and he knows God. And Father, I pray that the parents and grandparents would be an example of marriage and family to them. And Father, I pray that no weapon formed against this boy will prosper in Jesus' name. 
We dedicate him to you. And Lord, we pray you would protect him, preserve him, and keep him. The Bible says, he that hath begun a good work in you will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that you continue that work in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. You can be seated. better I got my mic I found it <laughs> oh God we thank you we bless you you are so amazing to us you're so amazing to us as we enter into these next few moments now is the time that I would like to encourage you to prepare your heart not only in worship but to prepare your mind for the word of God now, when we come into church, um, we hear God, um, and we come with our needs, and we come with expectations, we come with thoughts and perspective. But we want to be intentional this morning to make sure that, God, whatever you want to tell us, whatever you want to show us, move us out of our own way. If I'm coming with an agenda that doesn't align with you, move me out the way. If I have intentions of, in my heart where I'm asking for direction, but I can't hear you because my voice is louder than yours, then silence me. So God, we come to your altar. God, we come to your feet. And we not only lay our cares, but dear God, here's our will. Here's our desires. Here's our prayers. And here's our heart, oh God. You can feel free to stand in worship, and you can even sit and just receive what God may want to say to you here. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of your sin, Jesus is calling. Have you gone? He's calling. 
Without the music here, come on, let's shout it out. We say, Oh, come to the altar. Oh, come to the altar. Cause the Father's arms are. Forgiveness was born. Yes, was brought with the precious blood. Come on, let's lift it up again. We don't need no music, church. Say, Oh, come to the altar. Thank you, Lord. Amen. If you're thankful for forgiveness, just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We want to say welcome to the final week of discovering your ministry life. If you're here with us for the first day, you can go on Church on the Rock Huntley, and you can download our, download our app onto your phone. And this whole teaching's on there if you want to make it up. But uh, feel free to do that. But we believe one of the most fulfilling things that you can do in life is to develop and to identify your God-given shape. When we, see, when we say shape, we mean S is spiritual gifts, H is your heart, A is your abilities, P is your personality style, and E is your experiences. Now, just like our physical body shape 
changes over the years. Sometimes your spiritual shape can change. So don't get locked into what you always were or what you always did because God might be wanting to do a new thing in your life. So we've been working these last several weeks. Uh, actually, we've been in a sermon series for 10 weeks about uh, God raising a mighty army. But in this last four weeks, we've been honing in on our spiritual gifts. So um, when you came in today, every one of you received one of these sheets one of these sheets so we will be turning these in at the end of service today but have those handy okay like I said we've got two weeks we got this week and we have next week before we uh, go to our next appointment or our next assignment for the Lord and we're excited about it we're, we're we grieve and we're so, have sorrow sorrow in our hearts about leaving but we've been here 21 years, and we know that we finished what God told us to do for this time. And we know that God has something super extraordinary for this church. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand clap today. <clears throat> but I keep hearing God say, <clears throat> I keep hearing God say this. Brian, I want you to finish strong. Brian, finish strong. Finish strong and complete your assignment. Complete what I've asked you to do. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, especially at the end. But I want to just say first, as he said, Brian, complete your assignment. Complete what it is that I've asked you to do. I want to say that we've all been given an assignment. Turn to your neighbor and say, we've all been given an assignment today. We've all been given an assignment. We have a to-do to-do. If you look on the screen, it says, for by grace, you've been saved. How many has been saved by grace through faith? Amen. And this wasn't anything you could do for yourself. Grace is the ability to do something you can't do. So grace, we couldn't be saved. Grace by faith gave us the ability to do it. It's a gift of God. And not only that, it makes it that we're not going to be able to boast in that. Look at verse 10. It says, for we are God's handiwork. We were created in Christ Jesus, everybody to say to do good works, to do good works which God prepared in advance. God prepared in advance for us to do. So I want to say that all of us have a to do that we're to do. All of us have that. I was looking in the Bible this morning, changed out this whole message early this morning, but in Matthew 25, I ran across this story. When we're thinking about how we've been given a gift, you know, just how you had to, uh, you had to activate with your faith to become saved. Salvation was out there for everybody, but until you activated faith, Faith is how you stepped into being saved, something you couldn't do with save yourself. You opened or activated faith in salvation. So how many say you're saved today? Okay, the same thing is with gifts. Every one of you have been given gifts. You've been given gifts to support an assignment that you have, a to-do that God needs you to do. He needs you to do this. And the very same way that you could not save yourself most of the time, what God asks you to do is outside of yourself, and it's bigger than you. So the same way that you had to activate faith to be saved, you have to use your faith to step out in the gifts. Faith is action to step out in the gifts for the to-do that God has you to do. So we have to be faithful with the gift that's inside of you. How many, know, how many really believe that God inserted something inside of you? It's more than just raising a family. It's more than just a job or a career or an education that you might have. 
The main thing that God needs the church to do is to take his kingdom forth. And that's why God has all of us to be a part of that kingdom work. So God put gifts in each of us. He put gifts. He put spiritual gifts. He put a heart. He put abilities. He gave you a personality style. He give, gave you experiences. And before you were created, before you walked in this church and received your assignment, God had it to do for you to do. But look at this Matthew 25. I was thinking about this. You have to be faithful with what's inside of you. I want to ask you, have you been faithful to do and to take care of what God's asked you to do? Amen? Look at this. The Bible says again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servant and he entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold. To another he gave two bags of gold. And to another one he gave one bag. Each according to his or her ability. I want you to see that. Each according to his or her ability. Then he went out on a journey. In other words, this leader, he went out on a journey and it's talking about God the Father giving gifts to three people. This man who received, he received the five bags, he went out and put his money to work. I want you to say put his money to work. Put his gift to work. He took action with what God gave him. And he gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold, he did the same thing and he got two more bags of gold. But the one, but the, but the man who had received one bag went off dug a hole in the ground, and he hid his master's money. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that sit in church every week that God has entrusted you, that this king has inserted five bags of something, two bags of gifting, five bags of ability, something that he needs you to do that I can't do and the person beside you can't do. And some of us have been faithful to do what God's asked us to do with God first living and being active in the body of Christ. Some have had the five and the two and have done it. But then there's some people that come to church and I call it consumers. They only are here to consume, but they never contribute. They never, they, they just want to give me, give me, give me. It, they, they, they think church is about just coming to get something. It is a place where you can get something, but it's also a place that we learn to contribute. Everybody say contribute something. And so after a long time went by, the servants ret re returned to settle the accounts with their master. The man that received the five bags of gold, uh, the other five, the master said, you were entrusted with five bowl bags of gold. See, I've given you, you've gained five more. Look at this. His master replied, this is what I want you to see, well done. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful of the few things. I'm going to put you in charge of many things. Come and share. Look at this. Come and share in the master's happiness. How many want the master's happiness in your life? How many of you want God to look down and smile and be happy about what he sees and what he has given you and what that there is for you to do? But there are so many that are just hiding and burying their talents and never doing anything to it. But I'm telling you, there's going to be a day. Listen, Jesus was able to complete his mission. And even on the cross, when he thought about everything he did, he put his hands and he surrendered to the place of death. And he cried out, it is finished. And then he gave up the ghost. How many believe that Jesus 
walked exactly that he was created to walk those 33 years. How many of you believe that? How many believe that he went to every assignment and he went to every place that God had created in advance for him to do? How many of you believe that he did that? He is our example. He is our example, and I'm telling you that God has put things inside of you that only you can do, and I don't want you to bury what God's put in you. I don't want you to get too busy, too running, too gunning to where Christ gets pushed back to the back because one day you're going to be standing before God, and he's going to say, hey, these gifts that I gave you, what did you do with them? And some of you that has a lot of five bags of gifts, you're going to say, I brought 10 back to the Lord. Two said, I brought four back to the Lord. But some of you is going to hang your head and say, I, don't have, I didn't do anything with it. I didn't do anything with it. I think it's important that pulpits preach and tell people what God's Word says. So when you get to heaven, nobody's excluded that you can't say, oh, I didn't know that. Because you do know it. Because preachers are supposed to say this. You know, this is a tough thing. The one given the one bag, he even said this. He said, man, I was so afraid. You know, if, if I let fear and timidity rule, I would have never been a preacher. You can ask my wife that's lived with me for 34 years preaching. Every Saturday night, we can't even have company. And, and, and I, I just... This morning, I had to give Gary my pen to write down Ron and Sylvia's name because my hand was shaking too much to write their names down. It scares me to death to stand in front of people and speak. In fact, they say one of the most fearful things, uh, if you say, what's the top five fearful things that people are afraid of? Standing in front of people and talking is in the top three. There's a, there's a, but see, you can't let, the Bible says God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So when it's coming in my mind, you can't preach, you can't lead, nobody wants to follow you, you're a sore example of a preacher, um, you're, you're nothing but a failure and a letdown to people. See, all that stuff's always going to be in your head when God has a to-do for you to do. I remember when a little kid came in with a bump on the front of their head that was out about an inch. And the Lord told me, this was in Walmart, and the Lord told me to go put my hand on that, on that, that bump on their head and to tell it to leave in Jesus' name. So fear gets, how many say fear would get it on you on that? So I fought the Lord while I was working in the toy department, and the Lord said, no, I need you to do this. I need you to do this because this is a to-do I have for you to do. And so you get past the fear. You get, you get past that knowing that God's power works in you. Amen? Ephesians 3.20 says, Exceedingly abundantly above all I ask or think. Listen, according to the power that works. Everybody say in you. In you. Some people are like, ooh, I, I don't know about that. I know Jesus' power. Jesus' power is in you. And the Bible says in John chapter 7 that there is a river of life that flows out of us. 
So you do have a power source. You do have a river of life. You do have something to give. You know, the Bible says in Mark 16, 20, it says they went about, they went everywhere teaching and preaching the kingdom of God. And it says the Lord working alongside of them. Everybody say alongside of him. It says the Lord was working alongside of them. You know, when I get insecure and nervous, I'll pull my wife in because it gives me a strength or a courage. But the Bible even says in 2 Timothy, when Peter, when, when, when Paul had to stand between, before the Roman government, he said, Demas has left me. He started naming a few people. He said, people that have stood with me forever, they even ran because they were afraid. And he said, when I stood before the governors of Rome, he said, all my friends, everybody around me had fled. They had ran away. But then Paul said, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me that day. And he strengthened me and I declared the word of God with boldness. I'm telling you that Mark 16, 20, it says when you go forth with your to-do, to-do, and you speak that word or do that thing that the Lord is working, walking alongside of you, just like my wife's alongside of me. She's partnered. She's doubled up with me. I'm telling you the Holy Ghost in Jesus Christ's power is hooked up with you, and you're not alone. You're not alone. He said the Lord working with them, Mark 16, 20, confirming his word with a sign or wonder following. You know what would have happened if I hadn't reached out and touched that bump? I'm telling you, I did get the courage to do it, and that bump left right out, right, it dissolved. I can tell you all kinds of miracles. What if I hadn't have witnessed to somebody that God was, anybody ever felt the nudge? Anybody ever felt the nudge? Mm, the Holy Spirit's nudging you. Hey, an angel, an angel isn't going to do it. An angel's not going to do it, and God's not going to come down here and just do it. He needs a person to work through. Is there anybody out there who will say, I offer myself as that person to do that? But this one buried it because he was afraid. God don't even let you off the hook if you're afraid. We're all afraid. We're all afraid. Man, tough language. He said, you wicked and lazy servant. I didn't write it. I'm just reading it. You wicked. I, I, to be honest with you, I looked at the lightest, the lightest translation I could find. Maybe I should have went to the Living Bible. <laughs> I even went for the, the kindest one that I could in translation. You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that a harvest I had sown and gathered where I had not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit in the banker so that when I returned, at least I would have had some interest. So take the bag of gold from him. Take the bag of gold from him. The one that only had one that didn't do anything with it. For whosoever has been given more, they will take the abundance of that. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. And then again, some kind of strong language it says, and throw that worthless servant outside into darkness where there'll be gnashing and weeping and wailing of teeth. That's pretty strong words. How many say that's pretty tough? It's pretty tough. But that's, guys, eternity's tough. I'm telling you, we get too caught up in this world and the culture of this world and the pressure of this world and the pace of this world 
to where we just structure God right out of our lives. We structure him out of our personal lives. We structure him out of our, our family life. And we structure him out of our church life. I'm asking you today to structure God into your life. You know, every person, I'm going to move on here. Every person ever born will stand before God and give an account of his or her. Now listen, of his or her, everybody say works. Okay, the Bible says it's appointed to a man once to die, but after that, the judgment. There's two appointments that none of you are going to miss. The only way you'll miss death is if Jesus comes. Anybody looking for the coming of Jesus? There's two appointments that everybody's going to. I don't care who you are, you're going to make this appointment. You're going to make the appointment of death, and then after that appointment, the judgment. Okay, so I want to talk about there's two judgments that the Scripture talks about. The first judgment is called the great right throne judgment. If you look in Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, it says this. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. We'll be reading now the NIV. It says, then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled at his presence. There was no place for them. Look at this. And then I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And I want you to look real close at this. Look real close at this. It says in the books, everybody say books, plural, books. Put the S on it. The books. Very important. The books. The books, plural. The books were open. And then another book, singular, everybody say book, another book was open, which was the book of life. Now look at this. Then it goes back. It says the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books, plural, plural. So everybody that is an unbeliever, there is going to be a, everything is being taken track of. How many know that God is just? He doesn't get excited about sending anybody away from his presence, but it's just what the word says and it's something that we have to know. But it says that, that, that the, everything was recorded in these books, but then there was another book and that other book is the book of life. When you receive Jesus Christ into your life, your name is written in the book of life. Those folks, when that book is open, that is the great white throne judgment. But the books that are open, that are recording all of the unbelievers, it records everything. And there's going to be a judgment. I personally believe that there's different levels in hell, different degrees. This is a personal belief. And this is a personal opinion, and it's something that I kind of think, but I just see too many scriptures in the New Testament. In fact, when Jesus said, oh, you snakes and you vipers, you hypocrites, it says it will be less tolerable for you in the day of judgment than for them. It kind of lets you think that there's different degrees because God's just. If everything's recorded on the works, the bad works and the sins that we've done, all of that is good. People, guys... Salvation means that God took all of your sins. He took all of your breaking of the law. He took all of your sins. He took everything. And that for by grace, he took all that. He took it on himself. So all of your sin was put on Christ. That's what salvation is, is your sin is put on Christ. And then the Bible says that he takes his righteousness and gives that to you. It's called the great exchange. 
Somebody say, thank God he took my sin. So when you, at the great white throne judgment, those are people that said, I don't want Jesus. I don't want to accept Jesus. I don't want anything to do with Jesus. I'm making my decision not to let God be a part of my life, church to be a part of my life. That's, I don't even know if I have faith in God. Those people are going to stand without an advocate. Are anybody out there? They're going to stand without an advocate. You're going to, that'd be like being at a court without a, without a lawyer. You're standing alone. But when you are standing alone, I don't care how, who, who you think you are. When you are standing alone, first of all, you won't be standing alone. You'll be falling on your face at the presence of God. But when you're standing alone, there is nothing you can say. There is nothing you can say you did. Well, I got more good works than bad works. Baloney. The only way that we have salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ where he takes our sin and gives me his righteousness. So somebody give the Lord a hand clap for that. So the dead are going to be judged from the books. But believers, there's the judgment seat of Christ. And that's where it's still called a judgment but one is you're judged for the sins or everybody's judged by their works. Here's what people say. Well, it's not by works. Works and grace is a big topic. We're not saved by our works. Everybody say we're not saved by our works, but we're saved unto good works. Amen. That doesn't mean you don't have any works. We will be judged. Sinners are judged according to their bad works. People that are believers are rewarded by your works, okay? Now, here's a scripture on that. It's found in 2 Corinthians 5, 9. And I'm going to be reading this out of TPT, the Passion Translation. I really like this. Look at this. I want you to really concentrate on this. So whether we live or die, we make our life's passion. Where I live or die, my driving ambition is to live my life pleasing to him. Can anybody say amen to that or echo that? Is that your ambition? Anybody out there? Pleasing to him or in full agreement with him and his assignment. For one day, and in the, in the Greek, that day is a capital D. I'm talking about the day of judgment, the judgment seat of Christ. And one day we will all, all will be openly revealed before Christ on his throne. This is the judgment seat of Christ. So that each of us will, duly, will be duly recompensed for our actions done in our life. Now, I want to stop right here. We're going to be recompensed for the things that are done in our life or done in our body. Or the time that we spent in this body. Amen? The judgment for our sins. I want you to know this when it says this. Because this, this is the believers. The judgment for our sins fell upon Christ on the cross. And the believer will never be judged for his sins. This judgment, this scrutinization is for rewards. There will be a different levels of rewards given to believers after death. And for some, there'll be no reward yet. They will be saved as from fire. So they're like, whew, I made it, but no rewards. So guys, I don't want you to, I don't want the enemy to take you because people that have trouble with the enemy accusing you that you're a piece of junk, that you're a turd, that you're a piece of junk and always tells you how unrighteous you are and what you're not, do not let that scripture give him ammunition on you, okay? 
Because all of our sins, past, present, and future, when you accept Jesus Christ, they are forgiven. Jesus Christ's blood not only forgives you, he even makes it where he forgets your sin. The Bible says in the Old Testament when they did that with bulls and goats and, and turtle doves and all these other things, it says that, that that practice for sin and atonement, it could only cover sin. But Jesus' blood isn't here to cover sin. Jesus' blood is to take it away. So as far as the east is from the west, I don't care where you've been, what you've done, the mistakes you've made, the choices you've done, the regrets you have, the, the, the decisions you made. If you've got Jesus in your heart and you've asked him to forgive you, the blood of Jesus cleanses that. And you're not in a judgment where that's going to happen. Okay? But you are going to be looked at for what you did or didn't do. What you did or didn't do. What did you did or didn't do? And it says this, for each of us will, do, will duly be recompensed for our actions done in this life, whether good or worthless. Since we are those who stand, and I notice how Paul puts himself with it. He's saying, I'm in this, 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 uh, play, this judgment seat of Christ that I'm telling you about. Paul even said, that's the one I'm at. For since we are those who stand in holy awe of the Lord, we make it our passion to persuade people to turn to God. We know that our lives are transparent before the Lord. I like this. Man, our, our passion. Man, we want to get people to the Lord and persuade people to turn to Him. We know that our lives are transparent before the Lord. He knows us fully. I like that. And we hope that we also have been transparent with you. I've always tried to pastor with my heart and pastor with transit being um, transparent and trying to be real. People are tired of going to churches and seeing a fake pastor. I've always tried to be just as real with you as I could because God knows anyway. And Paul was saying, we just tried to be real. But look at 1 Corinthians 3. Here's another place. The judgment seat of Christ is talked about in Romans uh, 14. It's talked about in Matthew 25. It's talked about in 1 Corinthians 3. It's talked about in 2 Corinthians 5, 9. But let's look at 1 Corinthians 3, 12. It said, rewards will be given according to our works. Now look at this. Anyone who builds on the foundation. If you read before that, it's talking about people that came to Christ and they received Jesus into their heart. How many know the Bible says that when you're building, Peter talks about building a spiritual house. Okay, well, when you build a spiritual house with stone, you need a cornerstone. That's why we sing Christ the cornerstone. He's the cornerstone of a spiritual house that we build. If you think about blocks, if it, like, like this church has 16-inch cinder blocks, I always think of that as scripture by scripture, deed by deed, action by action. That when I started, I just had a cornerstone of Christ, but through word and truth upon truth, Line upon line, conforming to God's way, denying my will, doing the things he said. We're building a spiritual house, okay? So everybody's building a spiritual house. That's what it means here. Anyone who builds on the foundation, that foundation of faith, may use a variety of materials. Look at this. Gold, silver, or jewels 
wood, hay, or straw. But on that judgment day, again, that's talking about the judgment seat of Christ. It says, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if the person's work has any value. If the work survives, look, if the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if that work's burned up, the builder, he'll suffer loss. He's going to suffer loss. That builder will be saved, but like somebody that barely escaped the wall of fire. In other words, that person's going to make it by the hair of his chinny-chin-chin. He's going to make it. I had a vision of this back in 1990, probably back in 1990. I was praying one day, and the Lord took me out in the spirit, and I saw this big hay pile, big old hay pile. I'm a farmer, so the Lord speaks to me in things I can see. I remember Grandpa used to have these big hay piles, big old hay pile, and I was standing at the judgment seat of Christ, and all of a sudden, the fire of God, it was my turn, and here was my work. Here's my works at the judgment seat. Here's what I had done with my body, worthless or good, like the scripture said. And then all of a sudden, a fire just came. A fire came, and I'll never forget that great big old pile was just gone. And I, in this vision, I got down on my hands and knees, and I was like, oh my gosh, man. And I was digging around, I was throwing ashes, and I did find a few. I found a jewel and a little piece of gold, but it wasn't nearly enough. It wasn't nearly enough, because most of my works for the Lord were wood, hay, and stubble. What's that mean? Doing things for the attention of man? Letting everybody know how much you give in the offering? Letting when, some, when you do something for the Lord, it's like you need recognition. You got to have the glory. You got to have the attaboy. You, you, you got to have that attention. A lot of people, I remember when we used to go street witnessing in Bible college. We did street witnessing more for the buzz of just telling everybody what we did. And God did do things. I, I, I saw 45 people saved in one semester by knocking on doors. We used to take and set up between three bars. And we would take a magnet speaker and plop it on a station wagon. And we would preach and we would sing. And people, I, I saw a drunk man get sober instantly. I saw a lot of people come to Christ. Um, one, one time I was sharing Christ with a lady and she completely undressed. And I said, well, I'm not going to look down, but Jesus Christ still loves you. I mean, we had those stories, but when we got back, it wasn't God saved somebody. It was, man, God used me and, and man, we, this happened. And, and man, I got to tell you, I had this God appointment and, and this happened to, to where it's all about you. There used to be this song, it's, it's all about you, Jesus, and, and let it be less of me for your glory and your fame or something. Some people I want to sing, it's all about you, Jesus, it's all about me, nothing's for your glory, Lord. So that's what the wood, hay, and stubble is. It's people that just do things to be seen a man. 
out of wrong motives and stuff. But guys, I truly want to be laying up some treasures in heaven. I truly, truly want to get, you, you may think this is crazy, but like I do, I, I think of stuff. I've always tried to be transparent and real with people. I look at business owners. When we came to Church on the Rock, me and Carmen sold everything we had, and we sold our house. Actually, we're getting ready to do that again, where we sold everything we had two years ago. And it wasn't Church on the Rock and Brian and Carmen. It was Church on the Rock. We took everything we had from our house. It was tens of thousands. We took everything we could and invested it in a home church and started Church on the Rock, this church in Streamwood. We, 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 we gave everything. We've, we've, Paul said we came to spend and be spent, 2 Corinthians 12, 5. Well, in the physical, when you start a business, you do the same thing. You put everything you can into it. You put all your money. You put all your time. When I look at my daughter, I, have a, I live with some regret because we built this church with our hands and I work too many hours. I live with some regret thinking that I lost a lot with my family because I wasn't balanced in my work for the Lord. I have a lot of regrets for that. I have a lot of regrets from fights I might have had with Carmen because stress causes that. 34 years of being 24-7 as a pastor, you're on call all the time. You're on call all the time. It works on you. That's why ministers are falling out like this. That's why Carmen and I, what we're doing is we're starting a ministry to encourage pastors. That's what we're going to be doing. Is, is we're, we're, God's going to give us a place where we're going to bring pastors. We're going to encourage them. We're going to strengthen them and all this. But it was, man, we put everything into it. In the business world, when you put all your money, all your time, all your everything in it. There's a payoff at the end. You sell that business and you get this nice check that you retire with. Or you sell or, or you take that business and you sow that into the next generation to where a parent can be proud and say, man, this business was established and I get to give it to my son and they're going to give it to their son. You invest everything into it. Guys, that's not the way it is in the church world. You invest everything in it, and there isn't a payday in this earth. And not that I'm looking for a payday, but I do, I do want to be able to stand before the Lord and have him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But there is, there is a reward for the work that you do. It may not be monetary, it may not be now, but there is a scripture that says when the disciples said, even the disciples talked about this. The disciples said, man, we've left everything. We've left houses, we've left family, we've left job, we've left everything to follow you, Jesus. And Jesus did say even in that scripture, he says, no disciple of mine that has left home, family, job, and car, it says he will not only be blessed in the afterlife, he's going to be blessed now. 
So I'm telling you, Carmen does bless us, and we don't think that way, but those things come in your mind. Those things come in your mind. You give, you give, you give. So maybe, I hope not, I hope, I hope a lot of what we've done the last few years isn't wood, hay, and stubble. I hope when the fire of God hits Carmen and I's work, that there was some pure motive, and there was some pure heart, and that we will be able to hear God say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. You guys got kind of quiet on me on that point. But uh, anyway, but then uh, Matthew 25, it said, the king will say, come you are blessed to the father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom is prepared for you since the creation of the Lord of the world. I want to hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. It says this, for I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. In other words, what can we do when people, and I don't want you to just think physical hunger. I want you to think of it in a physical and a spiritual way. When people around you are hungry, you give them something to eat. If they're thirsty, they're depressed, disappointed, discouraged, you give them something to drink. When somebody's a stranger and they feel weird being in church and not like being alone, uh, you invite them in and sat by them. When they needed clothes, you clothed them. When they were sick, you looked after them. When they were in prison, you visited. The righteous answer it this way. This is a person with a pure heart. The righteous answer and say, Lord, when were you hungry and we fed you? When were you thirsty and we gave you something? They they, they didn't even keep track. They, They didn't even know. But Jesus said, whatever you did for the least of these sisters, Jesus said, you did it unto me. So everything that we do for the Lord, we do it unto him. But I want to hear him say, well done, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I want to be like Paul that can say, 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8, I have fought a good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there's in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that, everybody say, day. And not only unto me, but to all who have longed for his appearing. So anyway, I changed the whole message today. I had something else I was going to preach. But I felt like the Lord said, talk to them about assignments assignments and being able to say well done thy good and faithful servant here was here is the last assignment that God gave me for church on the rock I want to make it clear to you I'm skipping the rest of the sermon we're down to the closing God's been saying to me Brian finish strong complete your assignment what is the final assignment God gave you to do Brian Well, two years ago, God said, sell everything you have and live in a fifth wheel. I want you to be mobile. So we did that. And then two years ago, he said, get church on the rock in a good spot outside of you and Carmen. We've done our very best to do that. My final assignment in getting church in a good spot, listen, was this last sermon series. 
When this last sermon series started, I didn't even know I was resigning. I didn't even know I was resigning, but the Lord had me six months ago to start putting my hands up and say, I prophesy, I prophesy unto the army that's slain. I prophesy how COVID's got it where people couldn't go to church and people are out of the habit of, of, of gathering. How people, a lot of people have lost faith. The Lord started saying, there's a great and mighty army that's been slain this last couple of years. I heard the Lord say that. And he said, son of man, do you believe they can live? And I said, only do you know, Lord. It's Ezekiel chapter 37. But the Lord's been having me raise my hands for six months and say, I prophesy into the winds dry bones come forth. And, and when we did that, we saw people coming forth, people rededicated. They got set free. They got inner healing and emotional healing. That was the beginning of that. And people were worshiping and, and peop, the dry bones were coming. And the second part of that series is what we've done the last four weeks. The next thing that happened is hearts and livers and kidneys and and um, skin and muscles and sinew. The Bible says that this army that was slain, first the bones came and then all the body parts came. That's why the last four weeks we've been preaching about you are the body, Christ is the head. It's time that this church, 100% of the people are involved and they found their place in the body of Christ and that everybody is serving so that we're not a church that says 20% of the people do all the work. We've been believing that each joint will supply at Church on the Rock. So what are you saying your last appointment is? And then there's one other thing I want to say on that. And then, the, and then Randy Roos come in next week. That was the third part of the prophecy. The first part, dry bones gather. The second part was every joint, every person supply your place in this body, Church on the Rock. Everybody. And that's why you have this big old shape thing that we took four weeks going through. Okay? That, that was the second one. The, th the third one is the Lord said the third thing is prophesied breath into that body. That happened last revival. Last week. And the people that came Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. God's been blowing breath into that body. So that was an example of an assignment that God gave me, and I felt like I completed it. Okay? Now, why is that so important? Why is that so important? Because in leaving something that you've spent 21 years in, you want to see it succeed. And the only way this church is going to succeed is if every person does their part in this body. You know what's typical in churches? I've been a pastor for 34 years. When the lead pastor leaves, do you know some people hold their tithe? Because they want to wait and see what's going to happen. That is the worst time to hold your tithe, waiting. You're, you're not trusting the Lord. You're supposed to give your tithe and trust the Lord with, with you're not controlling it. Because now is the time to give. Now that, not to not give, but usually it's the older people that do that, that I've seen. They, well, I want to see where the church is going. Don't do that. That is the most idiotic thing I ever heard in my life. Don't do that. Continue to be faithful in your giving. Continue to be faithful. So Brian and Carmen, why is this assignment, why is this last assignment so important to you, Brian? 
Because when I drive away from here next week, it's going to be sad. But when I drive away from here and I drive down Manning Road for my last time and I take a right on Big Timber, I'm going to look in my rearview mirror and I'm going to say, Lord, I finished this assignment that you gave me. And that was to get every single person involved in the body of Christ. Now, whether you do it or not is going to be up to you. Are you going to be the five, the two, or the one that buries it and does your own thing? But I'm going to leave here knowing I completed the assignment that you gave me to do. Everybody's serving. The next thing I want to say to you on that, the next thing I want to say on that is at Church on the Rock, we have what's called grow steps. And I'm sure it will continue. We got grow steps one. Grow step one is an introduction to Church on the Rock and life here at Church on the Rock. It's for people that just want to know more about where they think God's leading them to come to church, okay? Grow steps two, listen to me. Grow steps two is what we've done this last month. Grow steps two is what we did this last month. We just did it with the whole church because that's what God told me to do. I've never done that before. We did it with the whole church, and that's what I want you to pull out. That's this, okay? You know what grow steps three is? Grow steps three is after you fill this out and turn it in. And if you don't fill it, we need everybody to fill this out physically and turn it in today, okay, at the Connection Center. If you don't want to fill it out right now, all you got to do is go on your app and go to shape. And you can fill it out digitally from your home. But please, this is all I can do on my assignment. Will everybody please fill this out? What it is, is you'll fill out your spiritual shape that we taught about. If you want to go back and listen to those, you can. Fill out your spiritual shape and, and, and do, put it all on your final shape sheet. And then the, the other thing is, is we've put in here every ministry at Church on the Rock. Every one of them are in here. Every single place you can serve at this church is written in there. Go through and mark them. Mark where you think you would like to serve and then put it on this final shape sheet and turn it in today. I mean, you can stay around and do it before you leave, or you can go online and do it. Now, why is that? What, okay, what, grow steps two is what we've been doing. You know what grow steps three is after you filled out what you want to do? Grow steps three is shadow the team that you chose to be a part of. Grow steps four is join the team. So really... You've done two, three, and four. And the only reason we're offering Grow Steps 1 October 3rd, everybody write down October 3rd, go to that class and it makes it where you've done all of Grow Steps. Now, please let, stay with me just a minute. You only got me a couple more weeks, so bear with me. I just got to make sure everybody gets some things. I want to leave this church in a good spot. Why is it so important to do grow steps one, two, and three, one, two, three, and four? Why is that so important? One, it gets you serving. Okay, two is this. In our system, if you are a visitor or a tender, you don't have the covering of pastoral care. If you get sick or you need someone or, or your child ends up in the hospital or you're having a baby and you need help, or you have a benevolent need, or you can't pay a bill, or you're just discouraged and you need somebody to call, okay, that's what burnt me out, is the pastor can't do all that. 
So I wrote a book to where every person in our church, that after you finish Grow Steps 1, 2, 3, 4, you've already done 2, 3, 4 today, if you'll just fill this stuff out. Go pick up October 3rd. The reason I'm emphatic about that is at that point, you are turned over to deacon care. Okay? We have a host of deacons that care for 10 to 15 families, and that's it. They pray for you on a, on a weekly basis. They're there for you on crisis. They're there for you if you have any questions. If you're in the hospital, they're seeing you. It, they're, they're bringing food to your door if you need it. They're in, they, they do everything. They're a pastor to you. So why are you being so aggressive today, Pastor Brian? Because I want to leave. One, knowing this body's fully functioning. Two, is I want to know, I got to know that you're cared for. And I know that if you'll do that, you're going to be put under a deacon's care. And they care for you. Our deacons are amazing. Give it up for our deacons. They're amazing. Okay? And as John's coming forward, John, as you're coming forward, so you've got grow steps. It gets you serving. It gets you having pastoral care. I'm going to end with this. October 13th is membership. To be a member, you need to go through growth steps. One, two, three, four. Why is being a member so important? Let me tell you why being a member is so important. Being a member, you vote on anything that's done that's over how much of the budget? Uh, 25%. 25% of the budget. So the board takes care of decisions at under 25% of the budget. So let's say you guys build an addition. The church and the board just can't say, oh, we're going to go spend uh, on our yearly budget. We're going to go spend over that 25%. No, they can't. They bring it before membership because you guys are the church and you vote on that. Here's the other thing that happens is you guys have a voice and a vote in the next pastor. So don't sit there and say, well, I didn't have a voice. I didn't have a vote. Guys, God set this up, this whole series. The people are cared for, Brian. The people are serving. Now they're ready for membership, and they can have a voice in the future of this church. Thank you, Pastor Brian. Please turn these in today, hard copy. If you can't get it in hard copy, you can bring it next week. And then, or you can go online and fill it out. God bless you. I know you're going to do it. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, just a couple more minutes here. I'm here to announce that the family survey, the church family survey that we started talking about a couple weeks ago is now live and active, both on the app as well as the website. What is it? Pardon me? What is it? The survey for the new um, qualifications and skill sets for the new pastor. So we're seeking your input to help us develop that job description, that job profile, so that we can find the exact right fit through God's leading to, to lead this church into the future. And we are asking everyone to participate in that, whether you are a member or not a member, whether you attend here 
at Church on the Rock or you're joining us online. We want everyone to participate. Now, we're asking you to do it electronically because that's going to make us make it so much easier for us to gather the data and collect the data. Um, although we know there are some people that would prefer a paper copy or need a paper copy. As you leave today, if you are one of those individuals, there is a stand at the back of the church to the right of the main doors that has the paper copies of the survey on it. If you take a paper copy, please fill it out and then return it to either the Welcome Center or the church office by next Sunday. We are asking everyone to prayerfully consider the questions on the, on the survey and give us your feedback by next Sunday. And just so we're on the same page about the um, survey itself, it asks a number of different questions. There's two questions on there that I want to call your particular attention to. One asks, what do we do very well as a church? What do we need to make sure that we keep on doing, number one? And number two, where can we improve? Now, I just want to make the expectations very, very clear. We're going to get a number of items that come in, and we're going to, we're going to look at all of them, but all of them cannot be addressed necessarily in the near term. We are going to allow the new pastor to take a look at those things, assess those things, and address those things as he or she sees fit. So I just want to make sure that if you put something down there and you're like, hey, I, I put that down there last week, why hasn't it changed yet? We're not going to be able to do everything that, that does come in, but we will definitely look at those things. And so we also want to use that information to kind of give a state of the union um, type of information packet to the church leaders that are, are, are going to be looking to apply for the job saying, hey, this is where we think we, we're doing pretty well, but here's some areas that we can improve. So we're going to use that information for that purposes as well. As I mentioned in my last update, um, we asked three members of the congregation to join with the church council to help us evaluate uh, the candidates as they come, come in. Um, those individuals are Chad York, Laura Baker, and Dana Serrano. We are so thankful for their willingness to join the team and help us with this process. And we ask you, all of you, to please continue, this pro continue to cover this process and this team with your prayers. We need them desperately through this process. And as Pastor Brian mentioned, the importance of membership. When we have that membership class, that is your opportunity to take that next step and become someone who can have that final say in who we um, install as our next pastor. Please, please take advantage of that October class. Again, it's going to be Wednesday, October 13th. Uh, I believe we're going to start it at about 6.30 p.m. So if you're interested in that, please contact the church office. And then finally... Next Sunday is going to be Pastor Brian and Carmen's last uh, service with us. And afterwards, there's going to be a post-service farewell gathering. And there's going to be a box set up to um, collect cards. If you feel led to equip Brian and Carmen um, financially in their next phase of their ministry, and you're going to be using a check to do that, I would ask you to please
please make that check out to BGM or Brian Garfield Ministries rather than Church on the Rock so that they can access those funds right away. So please um, consider prayerfully all that they have invested in here and let's send them off um, well equipped for their next phase. So thank you very much for your time and attention. It was a great service. Look forward to seeing everyone next week. Um, God bless and have a great week. Amen.